And that's why I believe in you because that is the greatest purpose. It's to love. Honest. It's to, it sounds corny. Whatever you want to say, I don't care. I love people because there is freedom and power in loving people. Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we have the crazy belief that creating success and happiness is a daily conscious effort, which is why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. I'm your host, Brandon Beecham, and each and every Wednesday, you can tune in to hear me interview a different consciousness changemaker that is out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. On the other four weekdays, you can tune in to myself and my co-host, Dalian, giving interpretations of our favorite thought-provoking quotes, sharing a bit of inspiring or mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and digging into any other mind-expansive topics that will help keep your soul fed by tuning you in to positive vibrations on a regular basis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last Lucidity Workshop episode in this series, a panel with Dr. Aaron Levy. Dr. Levy is a remarkable individual with experience as top executive or advisor to multiple companies and organizations. And in this talk, he discusses how the current consciousness movement must participate in all aspects of life, from finance to politics and media, in order to affect lasting change in the world. Hope you all enjoy. Welcome back to the Fishbone Study Hall. Coming up next, we are going to have a, a conversation with Dr. Aaron Levy. But first, I would like to introduce Mickey Willis. Thank you so much. Hey, family. How's everybody? Good, good. Good to see all the familiar faces. Well, I'm honored today to have this moment to introduce someone who's very dear to me and to our collective tribe. And I'll start by saying that uh, I met Dr. Aaron Levy when I was closing a company. We had a technology company that we worked very hard on for a long time. And when we were clear that it wasn't going to stay alive, how many of you remember the scene in the movie Pulp Fiction where they had to call in the wolf? Harvey Keitel's character, he came in and like kind of solved the whole problem in the movie. You know it. So that was how I, I met Dr. Aaron Levy. He was like the wolf. We had to call on the wolf to help us, and I mean that in the best possible way. Um, as a problem solver, we were told that there was someone that could really help us out and do things in a very integral way. And so during this process, a process that we thought would be incredibly challenging, I witnessed this man handle things in the most graceful, eloquent way that I've ever seen anything like this happen that left us in a very good standing with the members of this organization that was now closing. And I was so blown away by what I was learning from him as he was mentoring me through this process that I realized that he carried something that was very relevant and very important for this tribe, this incredible creative tribe that we've all been so honored to be part of. And that is, after witnessing so many of our friends, some in this room, that are incredibly gifted, incredibly inspired, also struggling with finances. And that question that we've all been struggling with, a lot of us have been struggling with, which is, 
you know, we're kind of like the generation that's in the middle of the bridge. You know, we're, we're, we're far enough away from the old world to know that it doesn't serve us and it doesn't work. But we're not yet fully in the new world to know exactly how it operates, to know how, how do we take our healing practice or whatever it might be and find a way to monetize it in such an integral way that we feel good about it so that it doesn't in turn be infused with the very energy that has corrupted so many organizations and, and, and that have lost the spirit of their, the origins of their intention. How do we do that? How do we feel good about that as we're all realizing that there's a, a need to shift the monetary systems in our world, yet we still live in a, within a collective agreement where it's necessary for us to have the resources to pay our rent, to eat, and to feed our children, and to enjoy the world and travel. So there's been this question that we've um, been engaged in, the inquiry, for a, a few years now. And I have to say that uh, Dr. Aaron holds a very important part of this puzzle to answering uh, a big part of this question. And the reason for that is the, the formula of his life, kind of the recipe of his life, is very interesting, very unique. Not only does he come from a very respectable background of, of wildlife preserve, he also has a background in engineering, a PhD in leadership and organizational design. He has run billion-dollar companies, publicly traded companies. But above all of that, he's an extraordinarily integral, wonderful, big-hearted man and father. And that was the part that really won me over. So the last three years, I've had the honor and the privilege of working side-by-side and a lot of our collective has been working with Aaron also, and he's really helped a lot of people take their dream, that vision that's come to them through prayer, meditation, ceremony, whatever it is, and find a way to actually make it real in the world such that it brings the resources that allows them to not only sustain but to thrive. And with that said, without further ado, I'm very honored to introduce my brother, my friend, mentor, and many other things, Dr. Aaron Levy. Thank you. Today has an image that I want to convey to you before we start. That, thank you. that each and every one of us has a beam of a laser, but if you want to call it beam of, a, of light, many of them coming out of you, transmitting to each one in the room connecting us at the same time. So if you're afraid of lasers because it could burn you, you know, think about just beam of light. Beam of light is also energy, so wave energy. And let's uh, start by uh, asking Patty Universe to lead the meditation to connect all of us to allow for that release of any resistance that you may have in accepting what I'm about to deliver. Thank you, Aaron. I'm so happy to be able to host you here at Lucidity this year. So amazing. And thank you all so much, all of you who are here with us today. I'd love to invite all of you to close your eyes and just Take a few deep breaths into your body, feeling yourself on this land, in this beautiful oak grove, 
feeling the earth beneath us is holding us always unconditionally and tapping into your body feeling your piece of earth that you're borrowing and feeling gratitude for this amazing divine dance on her And I invite you as you feel into your body, feel into your embodiment to find that space inside yourself where you feel totally and absolutely irresistible that juicy radiance that is just so wanting to burst out of you, that total aspect of radiant light that you just can't resist. You just can't resist. So yummy. And just feel where you might have any barriers to feeling that, to feeling yourself as this magnetic, radiant irresistible being of light and through your breath I invite you to start drawing any of those stories that have made you close down that make you doubt that make you play smaller and just start breathing those into this cauldron in your belly and feel it start to stew there Start to imagine this red glowing egg in your belly, radiating, getting hotter. Just pour all of the stories, all of the traumas, the wounds that made us play small, that made us forget how deliciously irresistible we are, how much we have to give in this world. And just pour it into that red egg that's forming in your belly. Start imagining it like this dragon's egg. Bringing in your dragon archetype, breathing through your nostrils. Starting to heat up that dragon's egg, burning it transmuting, transforming all of those belief systems, all of that programming, conditioning. Those aren't you. Any addictions, addictions to stress. How many of us find ourselves almost addicted to stress? We can let that go. Just bringing it into your belly, into your dragon's egg, and start to see it turning into this coal ash. Starting to crumble. Breaking down into just this ash. And in your next inhale, imagine a little beam of light starting to peek through that ash. And 
you begin to feel yourself emerging through this ash as a beautiful, magnificent phoenix. And as you rise, you can feel yourself stretching your wings. Feel those wings stretch through your neck and shoulders. This transformation through your suffering into healer. Your ability to heal yourself through your compassionate tears. Just feel yourself totally embodying that phoenix energy. And now tap back into your body. You feel the light moving through your physical body. Anchor it into the earth, bringing it up through your crown. And imagine all of us in this infinite radiant light just expanding all of our light so they just all meet and touch each other and they wrap around this whole earth. When I studied Theta Healing, they said that the only thing you can do for another being without asking permission is download them with unconditional love. Ask Creator to download them with unconditional love. So let's all collectively ask Spirit, Creator, whatever higher power, whatever you call it, whatever it is to you, to just download our whole planet all living beings, all of us, with unconditional love. And when you're ready, you can start to come back to this space. And continue to feel that embodiment of the powerful dynamic between the phoenix and dragon that lives within you at all times on your journey here on Earth. What a privilege that we get to dance like this. Thank you. Thank you, Patty. A lot of people call me a, a mentor, a teacher, a leader, but I would consider what I do in my work, my life, is I'm really a student. Any situation that I get into, maybe this lecture, is I listen, I collect information, put it together in ratios and deliver it back in a different format. But I'm a student of life. And thank you for those who call me a mentor, a teacher, but I always like to go into situation as a student, learning new things and that apply that element of a life ratio into a solution. So before we start, I want to ask you, um, tell me what you think is the conscious movement is all about. Why is this important to even talk about the conscious movement? Anyone? This is, by the way, an interactive session. It's not me lecturing to you. It's we're going to build something together. Yes, please. 
That's more of the purpose of the conscious movement, right? Defining the person. What is the conscious movement? Uh, do we need to move the microphone around? Or? It's, yeah. um, so that's good. Good point. But there is, I'm looking for something more deeper. The conscious movement is designed to do what? What's happening around the globe that we are bringing awareness now? There's a lot of awareness that brings about the need for that movement. Yes, Hope. How to relate to each other? Uh, just raising awareness and how to relate awareness. to each other, to ourselves and to the earth. So if you heard, if you seen the movie The Cove, any of you about the dolphins? That's, what, that's kind of raising awareness about the dolphins. And it's kind of hard to watch. I don't know if those of you who have, who have a hard time watching dolphins, uh, uh, it's hard to it's hard movie to watch, and I see that as one of the major contribution to the conscious movement is to bring awareness globally. Now with the the internet, YouTube, we have a lot of exposure globally, able to communicate. Anyone around the world, the world can create something and bring awareness. What's the next step, please? Um, I feel like we've always as humankind have been building tools and this is the first time where it's in our sort of it's innate to build outwards and upwards and I feel like this is the first time we've kind of hit a wall and now um, we're using the tools to reflect back at us so things like the oceans and our resources being depleted are now in, in front of us so we can't really build tools to escape like even 50 years ago we would just retreat the US and go to an island like now that doesn't that option doesn't really exist so um, it's serving as a mirror and we have to look at some of the darkness that's going on thank you more Jana so with a foundation of raised awareness um, and understanding the topic of this conversation um, what I'm interested in talking about in terms of the consciousness movement is how do we facilitate the massive redistribution of resources, both financial, natural, human, um, to provide a more equitable experience of life on this planet for all of humanity. And, um, and so what are actually like the, the mechanisms that are going to contribute to that redistribution? So we heard there is awareness, bringing awareness. It's very clear that the, the purpose of the conscious movement is to bring awareness. But the next step is to do something about it, to make something happen, to deliver and get some results out of it that will impact social change, help the environment. Okay. So when I was six years old, I grew up in Africa. My father was a diplomat, so we traveled a lot. And I went to a French school. I was six, first grade. And I remember that I was very fortunate to have an artist who would come once a week. And have you seen those French artists in Paris that use color chalks and create these absolutely amazing masterpieces on the floor? That's like like unbelievable Mars pieces and just for that day and he was one of those artists he would draw 
on the board this unbelievable masterpiece. For the three to four years that I studied that French school in Nigeria, which is Central Africa, and I saw this once a week. He would come and we would have to kind of like copy, try to mimic his drawing, which is a lot of artists learn to draw like that. I did not become an artist, but one thing that I remember from that that he always taught to us is the ratios. When we drew a horse, it's very easy to see if the legs of the horse are just a little bit shorter than what they should be relative to the body. It's very easy to see that there is something misproportional. You know that Leonardo da Vinci did a lot of studies on the ratios. Patty, you want to mention something about the circle of Leonardo da Vinci? It's all connected, all the ratios. So art, we have a lot of uh, people in the artist, artist community talk about ratios. Um, I'll kind of like, I have Salvador Dali in my mind, and I'm thinking about if you saw this picture of a horse with very thin legs, and disproportion, somehow he managed to get this out there as an amazing piece of art, but it was in a way disproportional or proportional. It was planned. There's a lot of issues about using proportion. And um, I looked at that and I remember that when we start studying a little more about the atmosphere and chemistry and I related that to art. And who can tell me about the composition of the atmosphere right now? Dry. Uh, we have one PSI pressure atmosphere. What's the composition? What's in the gas? What's the composition of a gas? Nitrogen and what percentage? What ratio? Here you go, 79%. And some other small, uh, but the ratio is, right, 19? It's 21%. What happened, doctor, if we reduce the ratio of the oxygen that we breathe? Pass out. High altitude or high altitude will be the same ratio, but less oxygen. But if we change the ratio right now, we pass out. It's over. What if we increase the oxygen, which sometimes there's treatments and people faint, they bring them ox extra oxygen. But there are studies that uh, when they try to revive mice, I read that, it actually it causes brain damage for too much oxygen. So anyone who has a plan to get uh, into this machine, just, just provide you pure oxygen, watch out. The ratios change. That's the atmosphere. So when you look at all of this, and you know, I can go on and on, give more and more examples. We basically live in a interrelationship, relational world. And um, when you look at um, corporations, finance, business, all those words that people don't necessarily like to hear, especially when you transition, it's uh, all about ratios. 
So I brought a bucket here, and we are, a lot of you have water. I would like you to please contribute a little bit of your water into the, the see-through bucket. Just a little bit. Please, anyone. That's good. The refill stations, by the way, outside, the free water, filtered, wonderful. So what is this? What did I put in there? What did we put in there? Thank you. Some extra. We're talking about monetizing the conscious movement. So what did we put in there? Lifeblood, investment. In order to make the conscious movement sustain itself and move, we have to keep feeding that bucket. And we have to find ways to do it. Because, Patrick, new Because if we don't, what happens is you try to execute on that. If you don't keep filling the bucket, it will get empty and dried up. And that is something <clears throat> that is really important because what we've done here is just like input money, outside expenses to run whatever you're trying to do to move the conscious movement. But there's some other elements in that that are very uh, kind of missed by a lot of people transition to running a business. What we've seen here is just the contribution, which is not revenue, it's an investment. And then the cost of operating your conscious movement. What goes in between that investment part or the money that comes in before you press that button? How many of you love finances, by the way? Maybe three? Great. So what comes if you have, this is not revenue yet, this is just an investment. You have basically expenses, right? When you start putting more in a revenue, when you sell products or provide a service, you have revenue. Part of that uh, revenue, if you sell a product, you have a cost of that particular product to make it. I bought this yesterday. I went shopping yesterday, by the way. So I bought this yesterday from the Phoenix uh, shop right here. Highly recommend. So. And uh, they manufacture it somewhere, I think in Bali or India. Uh, they buy it for a particular price and sell it for an extra price, right? Let's say it's 50% over. So you have a ratio already of revenue coming in and 50% of it is the cost. What's left from that? We take the revenue minus the cost of revenue. No. Anyone else who loves finance? There's a few other things before it gets to the net profit. And that's a mistake a lot of uh, entrepreneurs have is they, they look at the, uh, what they sell the product for, how much it costs them to make it, and they say, that's the profit. That's what I have to operate the business. It's not. It's called gross margin. Just the margin to give you enough juice to go to the next stage. What's the next stage? 
What do you need to operate the, the conscious movement? The business. Operational cost. What's included in operational cost? Are you enjoying this? What's included in the operational cost? Anyone? Rent? Salaries? Equipment? Utilities? Taxes? Insurance? And the list go on and on and on, right? If you take the gross margin, is what's left for you to operate the rest of the company, and you have the cost of operation, what's left then is the profit, the net profit. Everything that I just described are just words right now. If I don't put ratios in it, it would not work. So if you get, for example, an investment of $100,000 into your corporation or conscious movement entity that you're trying to find, the investors want back how much back? Maybe four or five times in maybe three to five years, maybe more? What size of a company do you need to have in order to start returning that money back? If it's an investment. So if the net profit is 10% and it takes about 30 to 40% cost of operation and it's 50% the margin, you probably need to be above $10 million to start returning the money. So when you ask for investment into the company, make sure that you differentiate between investment and contribution or sponsorship. It's better for, this, for the conscious movement to ask for sponsorship rather than investment. If you go for investors, which I hear a lot of people say, oh, we've been in discussion with these investors, and I hear that over and over again the last few years, and just nothing happens because you cannot demonstrate the return that will be in four or five years at, at the margin high enough to be able to do that and demonstrate that with those ratios. So keep that in mind. That that's a, the issue of the ratios related to that. So we're talking about finances, and anyone who wants to be in a conscious movement has to really understand how to run the business of the conscious movement so we can monetize it. How many of you like to be in politics? How many of you love politicians? One, two. It's great. That's it. Who can really make a decision about the conscious movement and making like major impact in what we do? A few years ago, in 2007, I found myself. Uh, I was involved with one of the Native American tribes in California, and I found myself with no background in politics in Washington, D.C., lobbying. And I sat down in one of those rooms, congressional hearing, for about eight hours. I could barely survive. I could not understand what they were saying. There was, the message was not very clear. Uh, they were talking a lot for hours, and it was really exhausting. If we want to be involved in the conscious movement and make an impact, we have to get involved in politics. You know what Plato said 2,500 years ago about politics? Anyone? Plato said, if you don't get involved in politics, 
you will allow others who are less qualified than you to tell you what to do. And that's what's been happening. If we want to make an impact in a conscious movement, not only that we need to understand how to monetize it and be effective in increasing the value and running it in effective with the right ratios, you need to get involved in politics. We need to get into politics to make an impact. What else is missing out there that we're not involved, that the conscious movement is shy away from, that has a lot of power in the, in the world? The media. Have you... I don't know, a few months ago, I kind of made the decision I can't listen to the news anymore, honestly. I mean, before I go to sleep, I used to listen to the news. Got to know what's going on around the world, right? It has become really difficult lately, and I've stopped watching news before I go to sleep. We don't have a lot of conscious movement in the media in a regular daily basis, delivering news on a regular basis, competing with CNN, Fox, and others. And in the same way that they monetize their activity. There's no reason not to do it. We have the capability to do it. So we have to be involved in media. What else? What else we're shying away from? It's very powerful in making an impact. Law enforcement. Have you seen the news lately in the last couple of months? What's happening in law enforcement? It's embarrassing that it's happening right here in our backyard. Really amazing. Last week, I don't know if you saw the video last week, it was shocking. It's, uh, it's pretty difficult. So we have to get involved in, the, in law enforcement. We want to make an impact. What else? Product manufacturing. Bring it more in in-house. What else? Healthcare. In a big way. In Friday, we were asked to moderate the panel at UCLA on the US-China healthcare growth opportunities. In the world is being challenged with the healthcare industry, with rising cost of medical, with how to solve the universal healthcare. It's kind of a very challenging uh, task, as you probably witnessed. So the conscious movement needs to be involved in healthcare too. You cannot look at one single area and say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring awareness. There's more to it. What else? Very powerful, very powerful element that we are shying away from. Education. Absolutely. We should elevate education on all levels. Um, think long term, next 50 years, not what to do the next five years. We have to educate our young generation to lead us in a conscious movement. What else? That we're really shying away from. Agriculture. Food is major, major issue. And there was a 
one of the sessions at UCLA on Friday was about the agricultural challenges in, in the aging and growing population around the world. You know, I, I thought about, we take water for granted sometimes. I think, you know, it's just so available everywhere. Maybe not as much. We're becoming more aware of it. You realize how expensive if you go to the airport flying internationally and buying a, a bottle of water? I think it's more expensive than uh, fuel, right? Like a gallon of water, it will be more expensive than fuel. That's pretty impressive. What does that tell you? That's a hint. In Brazil, in Sao Paulo, some homes, yeah, they're reporting that just they don't have, they're not delivering water to the homes. We take it for granted today. So we have to be involved in water preservation as part of the conscious movement. It's our responsibility to be involved in all of this. What else to avoid completely? I keep looking for one thing that we really completely avoid. Don't even go there. Religion. It's very important. We need to bring all the religions together. Understand that we're all connected. Really a crucial part of of bringing it together. By the way, what's the, I mean, you already kind of, but one of the most successful corporations globally, what's the oldest and most successful corporation? You can look backward. You know, you have Microsoft and let's book the Catholic Church. Why do you say that? Yeah. There's a book uh, out there, I forgot the name of the author, it's called Rome, Inc. It was written about, uh, I think, 2006, 2007. Rome, Inc. is kind of like a little bit funny, but it talks about uh, the first corporation, which is uh, Rome, and then later the Catholic Church. But the model that uh, you look at some of these organizations, um, you know the 10% whatever, contribution into the organization, very, very effective model. So it's a constant sustainable. So what else are we avoiding? We're not talking about something very important. Yes. Owning land. Of course, and there is a lot of, uh, a lot of the conscious movement, we would just say, at the summit in uh, February, uh, for those of you who know in Utah, uh, it's part of the conscious movement moving into acquiring land, building conscious movement facilities for us to all connect and uh, and deliver that message and start working on it. So that's one example. It's definitely property acquisition and expansion. What else? Energy. What we're not talking about. Yeah, we're not. No, we're not talking about well, energy, of course, conservation of energy, and but what else we're all avoiding in this room? Saying business, sure. I'm. 
It's true too. That's all within the conscious movement, and I expect that to be one of the answers. It's something that is naturally you avoid completely in the conscious movement. War. It's true. Yeah, we should avoid it. <laughs> Money, Wall Street. We're not penetrating Wall Street. We're allowing Wall Street to do, and the banks to do what they've done in, in 07, 08. We're not penetrating that environment. We're leaving politics to other politicians. We're leaving Wall Street to the bankers and other you know, publicly traded companies and so forth. We're not penetrating really deeply into the corporation, in, a, in the U.S. corporation, global corporation, in the public environment, Wall Street. We criticize it, but we're not penetrating it. In order to make the conscious movement really work, I recommend all of us to get involved in politics. Otherwise, Plato predicted we're going to let others lead us in their own interests. And if you look around the world, this is, it's happening. Understand financials and ratios very clearly about how to keep this thing going and differentiate between investment versus um, uh, sponsorship. And I recommend that you really push the sponsorship unless you want to really run a business and all of you get very familiar with financials and the ratios you need to maintain. And Wall Street. We have to penetrate Wall Street. Get very close to them, talk to them, bring them in, and go in there and lead these corporations, lead politics, lead Wall Street, lead the banks, and be directly involved with this. If we allow this to happen and just stay within our environment of bringing awareness and not taking the action of entering those environments, we will not succeed in our conscious movement. So that's the main message about you know, the delivery of that uh, thing. Who started this conscious movement? What do you think? Anyone? What's that? When when did that all started? I mean that's Carl Young? Okay. It's always what? Always been here. So I'm going to read something. Let me ask you if you can guess who wrote that and when. Still we live mainly like ants, though the fable tells us that we were long ago changed into men. It was written a while ago. Like pygmies, we fight with cranes. It is error upon error and cloud upon cloud. And our best virtue has for its occasion a superlative superfluous and evitable righteousness. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Simplicity, I say, let your affairs be as two or three and not a hundred or a thousand. Instead of a million, count half a dozen and keep your accounts on your thumb, on your thumbnails. Simplify, simplify. Instead of three meals a day, if it be necessary, eat but one. Patty and I talked about it. Well, instead of a hundred dishes, five. And reduce other things in proportion. Ratios. 
Our life is like, and so far in God. Who wrote that? How long ago? What, 30 years ago? 1930. This is pretty significant, right? It sounds like the conscious movement, right? 1600s. How about 150 years ago by an American poet, Henry David Thoreau, who was a naturalist who lived in the wilderness for two years in Massachusetts on Walden Pond area. Henry David Thoreau wrote about economics. He's a poet. Do you know that in the old days, the Olympics that the Greeks started, an Olympian had to master all the sports, it's not just like one specialty, and philosophy, literature, poetry, they had to master all of that to be an Olympian. Henry David Thoreau talks about economy, talks about government, freedom. He fought taxes, was arrested in uh, uh, Concord, Massachusetts, a couple times without paying taxes for the shacky building forest, really making a point about this whole thing about you know the rights and freedom of people. And if you read more about Henry David Thoreau, a, a naturalist that I just came across maybe six, seven years ago, I, I couldn't stop reading this book, Henry David Thoreau, an American poet. Highly recommend. I have marks all over the books here. So how do we take it to the next level? Um, I kind of deliver a message that we do need to get involved in all aspects of our society to bring the conscious movement, not only just to, for awareness, but also to execute on it and make the impact, make a change. Questions? Check, check. Um, I'm hoping that you can address um, something that I'm hearing you advocate for is um, basically changing the system from the inside. And I know that within our community there's a, um, a thought thread, a meme that may have originated with Buckminster Fuller, I'm not quite sure, but basically that idea of if you want to change the world, um, don't try to change a faltering system, but create something new. And I'm, I'm not sure where that plays in with what you're talking about because I'm hearing you advocating for changing the system from the inside. So I can tell you from experience, and I'll, 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 um, my, my educational background was science, engineering, design, and never had any plans to be chief executive officer of three publicly traded companies uh, or be even in management. I wanted to study astrophysics and stars. And, and um, I kind of was pushed into it because I think I was talking about ratios. I'll get to it. What surprised me over the years is I 
start taking more and more leadership roles naturally, not pursuing it necessarily promoted to president, vice president, president, CEO, is I've seen companies that run their business for 20 years and I would be hired in to look in without any connection. They would just, they needed something to, something was not clear. And I would come in not knowing any finance. I have no business background, by the way. I have no education in business. I did not go to a business school. I don't, do not have an MBA. Do not have accounting background. I have an engineering background, science, IT, call it. But I looked and applied because I didn't really know business, so I applied ratios into finances because I didn't know what they mean. So I started looking at finances, which are consistently done in a certain way by accounting practices. And um, it's basically reporting what the results are. I found that always the ratios will lock off. And that's what I was interested to see if the ratios would allow the business to end with profit at the end. And if it's profitable at the end, it needs to have cost of operation, which will be this percentage, margin this percentage, and this is the revenue. It's amazing that I walked into corporations, publicly traded Wall Street, and that run their business for 15 years, have CFOs, financial accounting departments, and it was always the same problem. And today, I have the same exact experience. So I'm changing it by introducing that ratio concept, which is not acceptable in accounting practices, although they talk about it. But I see that mistake happening over and over again. The system to change is to provide the right ratios, like the atmosphere, to make sure that you will survive. Otherwise, you'll faint and the business will faint. If we keep pressing that button at the faster rate than what you add, you'll end up with an empty bucket and it will dry up. So I find that a lot of these opportunities that I get involved with have to do basically in changing the concept of doing something that is really the fundamental how the universe works. It's all interrelated ratios. So it's not from the inside. You have to. It's you have to bring people from the outside to do that. In 1994, I joined a publicly traded company in Boston as a chief operating officer. Then became president. And 1995, so it was a technology. I was basically handling global positioning systems and a lot of design work, but the operation, how to run you know, manufacturing and so forth. And I was asked to give a presentation in New York. I was living in Boston, New York. A year later, in front of 200 bankers, Wall Street bankers. And I was proud to talk about the product, the functionality of it, and I was excited and very proud of it. None of it spoke to them. They start asking me questions about things that I did not know how to answer. So I recognized that in order to drive the company value, because it was already publicly traded, I had to learn Wall Street language. So, you know, there were people in there that could, could do that, but they did not talk about the ratios that Wall Street wanted to hear. 
And investment bankers, as much as we criticize them, they know the ratios. They talk about ratios. And when we talk to investment out there, to people who would contribute, we need to talk to them in, in their language, which is basically ratios, to show that the business will not dry up going into the future. So you have to bring that system back. And bringing the conscious movement is challenging because it's very hard to communicate on that level because they don't relate it to what they see today in other businesses. It's getting closer and closer, but it's still a road to communicate that to the investment community. We should not shy away from them. We should try to penetrate that. Yes. So I studied business as an undergrad, and then I was seeking something more meaningful. So I studied global health, and then I went to Wall Street, and I um, was a socially responsible investment analyst. And basically, I would do a lot of research into the back end of publicly traded companies and write reports about all the issues that they needed to incorporate. And what I took away from that was humans are greedy. A lot of the stuff we were talking about was long-term impact, triple bottom line issues that if you were a conscious CEO, you definitely would care about. But you know, you see the CEO of Coca-Cola talking about sustainability, and at the end of the day, it's a big press release. You know, it's ultimately about rules that um, companies have to follow based on paradigms from 100 years ago. So uh, one of the reasons why I moved to the Bay Area is that the ethos within the tech sector is much more, um, I think, aligned with the ideals of the younger generations and the conscious movement within that. So one of my, I guess my question is around how do you see the fundamental ingredients of capitalism changing? Because I think, um, you know, when my parents were coming up, they were trained to get a job and make a certain amount of money. Now um, that is not feasible, and everybody knows that. And so we have to create this new sense. And you see a lot of, you know, within, um, you know, the future of work is more about the experience, about the actual what you experience at your day. It's not about how much, you know, when you're retired. So I'd just love to hear your thoughts on, you know, how you see that changing, so conscious movement kind of infusing its way into work itself. Thank you. This is a wonderful experience you're describing. So you've basically transitioned and experienced Wall Street, per se, and saw the greed and, and so forth. Grid exists out there. In my opinion, the grid exists also because it's not communicated and grabbed on. We need to get closer to the elements of the grid to move into transferring grid into the conscious movement. Does that make sense? Um, micro, uh, yeah, Microsoft, I think uh, Bill Gates is the richest man in the world right now with $80 billion valuation. And... <laughs> And, uh, but uh, you see uh, the, the Gates Foundation has done really tremendous in, uh, in the conscious movement. Uh, I know the, one of the founders uh, also just contributed or wanted to contribute $100 million into, committed to contribute $100 million into fighting Ebola. You hear about that. So somehow someone got to them. Somehow the consciousness got to these people. And we need to do more of that. It's out there. And if you look at the model of the, the Catholic Church, for example, a 
a percentage or a ratio of the total revenue, which, you know, you can look at that as taxes. But the more and more you get involved in that environment of reaching out to those CEOs, making them more aware, and it is happening today more and more. Do you know how it's happening? How we attract people to the conscious movement, the CEOs and Burning Man. That's a good example. They, they just like, they're looking for it. We need to tell them about it. We need to get more and more Wall Street people to get out to the desert. That's one way to do it. So I would say that the conferences, but really targeting that environment. The politicians, there is a lot of lobbying, but lobbying is a lot of self-interest, you know, private interest and so forth. We need to lobby seriously for the conscious movement as well. So Wall Street as well as, as the po political environment and get involved. I mean, I'm, it's, it's a hard one for me to say, but I found myself in 2007 lobbying for some Indian tribes' rights for land. There's a lot of issues about Congress and how you define native, what percentage. It's a very complicated issue. And how they raise money right now is through gaming, which gave them an opportunity to invest in growth for future generations. But it's going to stop, I think, in 2030. So Congress still controls a lot of those decision-making. And uh, we have to get involved in politics. So reach out Wall Street, reach out politics. Yes, Meredith. <laughs> oh, you're controlling everything. Thank you, Mr. Controller. Um, I just wanted to bring up when you're talking about the Gates Foundation, and I want to say this in the room because I want to be corrected if I'm wrong, because I know there's a lot of controversy around that, and there's a lot of an idea that the Gates Foundation are doing wonderful things because they really care about health. And they're really caring about health, from what I understand, because their vaccination mandate is to vaccinate every like man, woman, and child across the planet. Mandatory vaccination is a huge issue. It's it's you know I, mandatory is one thing, voluntary is another. And so I just wanted to clarify because this is taken often as a consciousness movement idea, and um, in fact, it's actually promoting the whole big pharma and the huge amount of money behind it, which is part of the entire machine of unconsciousness that we're working with. So I just wanted to put that out there um, before we pass over it, because I don't want to be wrong about that, and I have conversations within the micro. So I just wanted to share. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, how many people know about CBD oil as a cancer curing, brain cancer curing? I have a friend who um, in L.A., um, uh, both husband and wife, they had their one-year-old diagnosed about two years ago with brain tumor. And it was pretty serious. They had to do surgery and treat with chemotherapy and other things like that. So she saw the writing on the wall and decided to do some research and came across CBD oil as a cancer-curing, very powerful oil. And she decided to do it. You know, there's a lot of problems. The legality with Congress, you can move across border, you can go to Colorado to get some things. It's, not, it's a very complex uh, issue. So she's trying to build a business from it, and that's how I got involved in it, trying to promote that. But what I found out that is in Europe, 
in Israel, for example, they treat patients in a hospital, government-sponsored, funded, with the with weeds at the hospital. With the you know, we're trying to push more. It's becoming more and more legal here, but. As part of doing this research, I also found out that the government applies for a lot of patents in CBD oil. Are you aware of that? Pharmaceutical, the control, the control that, the, that element, not allowing us, conscious movement, to build businesses and corporations around what's really curing us. There's no question, by the way, I've done enough research for two years that CBD oil your brain tumors specifically. So um, that's another challenge. We need to get very close to politics because they're applying for patents. The government applies for patents. So that's part of, you know, the, the, the element of that. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Is one of the ways that this has to change is from the consumers, us people, voting with our dollars and supporting the companies, the ones that we should be supporting and not the ones that are proliferating what's currently happening. You know, so that's a lot of the work that I'm doing in the marketing world and et cetera. I assume that this is on the consumer side, it's, it's heavily supported. This is how the society is working. It's basically... We market to consumers, we make it very popular, consumers purchase, the more effective we are, the more marketing power, which means a lot of capital behind it, we get the message across. I'm going to segue just a little bit for a second. I quit Diet Coke. <laughs> Loved Diet Coke for years, I was just like, I couldn't quit it. That was just, definitely I was addicted to it. And I just, it took me to see one video where someone sent me a friend where, I don't know if you saw it, but they put Coke and Diet Coke into a pan and heat it up. And when the water disappears, it's basically tar. I mean, they actually get, put it in the mouth and I, 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 this is what we drink. That's consumer. So the power of consumer, it's out there. It's already out there. I think Diet Coke should be illegal. I think it's uh, probably cancer-contributing. It's what? Aspartame. Here's another. There is evidence for that. Now, it's not the consumer that's going to change it. Coca-Cola marketing is a very powerful organization. So I I dug deep into it. I have a friend, actually one of our clients, partners, one merges an acquisition firm, and one of the partners in Israel is a biotech company. And uh, they do, they get involved in clean water, like cleaning water, you know, purifying water. So I asked him about Diet Coke and said, oh, you know how it was, how it started? It was a medicine for stomachache. Coke was a medicine for stomachache. So it's kind of like a, a coat your stomach inside. It's, it's pretty effective. So we drink daily. So it turned into, because people really liked it, apparently, consumers. Uh, that's the Coke history. Great formula for disaster. I don't drink anymore. So that 
we got we have to be involved in, in at those levels we have to yeah across the whole spectrum yeah. you know when i was preparing for this not, you know, i feel like when i give speeches or lectures i i try not to prepare too much because if i do then i'm not connected to my audience and i i said that to mickey i i, I prefer to come in and feel the energy of what people are interested in it and kind of like so we're working on this together this is i'm and i've never talked about diet coke before or coke it's the first time but you know you you brought it up and i'm doing a response so we have to get involved in it i think diet coke and coke should be illegal and i think cbd should be legal and for that you have to be really involved and you have to be involved for that in wall street why is that why be involved in wall street to make effect on CBD oil. Policy changing the power. We cannot ignore it. We want to be successful in the conscious movement. We cannot ignore We got to penetrate that. We got to go in there and lead that. Can you speak louder? Microphone. Hi. Okay. Um, I just heard this guy, Paul Safro, talk about the creator economy and basically how um, the world of startups and innovation right now, the fact that we are all basically brands and corporations on the Internet, uh, we're, we're all capable of creating our businesses in a way that none of us have ever had access to before. Um, and so kind of just my two cents is I'm also in sort of marketing meets business strategy, but the idea of the consumer society, when we were sort of at the mercy of a big corporation like Coke telling us that we need this and, you know, Tiffany's got us all to think we need diamond rings on our fingers, that is something, it's sort of like mass persuasion slash propaganda. Now we actually have the power to create our own quote-unquote value proposition for our own business and that empowers us to infuse the conscious movement into our own personal Wall Street, right? So um, there's hope. It's just that these ideals of we're all going to be going to the Tiffany store or to the Coke store doesn't exist anymore. It's literally like we are embodying our own business and and who we interact with in the digital economy is much more how we vote with our dollars. What's your name again? Ali. Ali. Thank you. Bless you. Man. The way that we raise money now is very different than it used to be in the past. First of all, um, I predict that the bankers are going to really suffer in the next 10 years. Their margins on loans are going very small, there are a lot of regulations, and they haven't had good practices. We're shifting now into a different model. Investors held their money back. They have not invested in new corporations. They held it back for the last five, six years. The model of looking at companies, and that's when I keep hearing people say, oh, I'm talking to investors and a couple of investors here and there. It's just not just not happening. It has to be in a, in a push toward more investment. So what's happening? What's a new trend in raising money that is just unbelievable changing the, the landscape? Makes sense. Unbelievable. It's just uh, incredible. I, we, I, I'll just... For one example, we have a, a company uh, that we partner with that has a jacket like this. You put 
ice around the jacket. And there are some studies that shows that you can lose weight. Burn calories. No, not lose weight. Bur burn calories. That You have to be careful what you say. And they contacted us and had in, in uh, our team worked on a, an attempt to do a Kickstarter campaign four weeks to raise just a little money, maybe $25,000. 13.5 just to get some of the production going. In a period of four weeks, we raised $280,000. There is a company in, that has a, like the charger, that flat charger for iPhones, and you know they raise close to eight hundred thousand dollars. So you're right; it's out there, and it's the power that we have within the conscious movement to do it. And it doesn't have to be necessarily buying a product. It will be just if you know the potato salad story. You know the potato salad story. Who knows the story in that? Can you tell the story about it? Thank you. Um, the crowdfunding campaign Kickstarter to make a potato salad. I don't even remember what the goal was. It was something like $10. It was to make it any... I remember the, the, the pitch was like, I don't even know if it'll be good. It's my first one. And so it was just this like... So such a comedic thing. It has such viral power. I don't remember. Do you know how much you raised? Sixty thousand, forty. Forty thousand dollars. Maybe sixty thousand dollars. Did anyone get their potato salad? A taste <laughs> I of it? I have no idea. No. No. Anyone? I believe he did make a gigantic potato salad. Yeah, probably a, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I think that's. If I remember right, that's. He maybe needs a jacket now. Yeah, he just made a lot of calories. Yeah. So definitely, it's changing. Are we on time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically changing the landscape of uh, the investment community, the landscape of our conscious movement. We're helping each other in the most amazing way possible. Miki, can you say something about money that was raised for the movie that you worked on? Yeah, so we have uh, a movie that we've been working on for three years now called Be Brave. We're looking for a new title right now, but it has been called Be Brave. And we raised $184,000 um, for the movie through probably many people in this room right now. And that's always been, particularly with independent films, it's been a real barrier because we understand the power of the movies. It's one of the, the, the last remaining um, uh, modalities of free speech where there's, there's no one governs what we say in, in independent films. It's, you know, when you're part of the studio system, there's a lot of... They're, they're, they have their major sponsors that, that won't allow you to say certain things, so the studios will step in and, and start to, you know, water Monopolize. down. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, but independent films to date have not been a good investment because the, the distribution system doesn't exist to get them out to the world and because they're usually not star-driven um, and they don't have millions of dollars in marketing... Um, the the general public they they don't always know they exist so they don't they're not uh, inherently known for making a great deal of money so it makes it tough on independent filmmakers my companies elevate and we've been um, you know for a couple of decades now making films 
And we ran into a place a few years ago where we, where we knew something had to emerge because we literally couldn't raise money for films. As excited as someone would get, it would either have to be a donation, someone who, if the film was about cancer, then there's some wealthy philanthropist who might you know, uh, donate $250,000 to help get a film made. Other than that, aside from that, there was no place to go. And so we turned towards crowdfunding, and, and we've now funded three movies that way. There are quite a few organizations out there. There's Kickstarter, Indiegogo, Crowdfunder. What else? Yes? Wallacea? Okay. Quite a few of them out there. Good system. Anyone in the conscious, conscious movement? Are there any seminars out there about uh, crowdfunding or conferences? Be involved in it. Learn how to do it. And uh, it's, it's a really good uh, thing for, to talk about as, as options to bring in because it's not necessarily tied in to a product you sell. It's a message that we're all kind of contributing to each other. The key, however, is still is reach out to Wall Street. Reach out to politicians. You cannot leave that aside. Bring the awareness that translates into contribution. Don't just say, look what they're doing to the dolphins. Look what's happening here. But go to the next phase of showing what this will do racial-wise to, to social change. How is that going to impact? And by the way, I can talk to you a lot about how to run a business and go numbers and you know get details and I don't want to lose the, the audience. Not to say that you're not interested, you're interested in finance, but when I get into finance and helping companies find the right ratios, it doesn't come from accounting background. It comes from the same information I'm showing you right now. I want to reach out to those who are involved in the, in the businesses and say, the ratio is off. We need to do this so that we contribute to make a difference. And so, yes. Do you know, are there any available social media platforms for the average person to be able to access next steps? Next steps? Next steps, getting in touch with your local politician, to get in touch to make an influence on a grassroots level, like at, at the, the average Joe yeah. here in this conversation, yeah. if they wanted to make some kind of contribution and do something as a next step action, are there any platforms that, that funnel people's interest into a, a, yeah. an actionable statement? Yeah. So first of all, they're coming after you. Keep that in mind. Politicians coming after you. Uh, companies with products, they come after you. You just have to bounce back. So the internet is just unbelievable. The iPhone, just Google some information like that. I believe you'll be able to find it. You prospect, you target, you go. You are not average anymore. And there is, what's that movie in Africa that uh, this little boy filmed and it was like some killing and stuff like that. It was in, what's that? Connie, yeah. yeah. So can you tell the story about what it was that just like, a young kid, yeah, please. You know. <clears throat> so uh, this boy was uh, in an environment where there is, you know, a group of terrorists, whatever, killing the village people, 
and uh, he put this on YouTube and sent it to Oprah or something. I mean, it got into some of the media, you know, celebrities, and it spread like, all over the world. And something was done about it. And we have the power to do it within the conscious environment. It's there. Yeah. I want to I jump in and not yeah. to plug what I'm doing, but I'm going through this process right now. And for those that know me from the community, I've been around. I've started a PR firm. We do all the video and PR for Lightning in a Bottle, Shambhala, Symbiosis, and Vision. I've been doing online marketing. I've moved to Vegas a year ago, and we're buying 155 acres as we speak to build a permanent transformational village. I just got accepted into the Social Venture Network. I went to Wharton Business School. So I've got all that to access this board and social impact club I'm just about to get into. We're just getting my brand and all this stuff out there. We're working with the political connections in Las Vegas, and I'm really calling out to the community. You know, we talk about some of the technologies. We're completely a showcase for sustainability. Our CTO runs a clean tech energy incubator. It's been targeted by the government. I can tell the story of that. Our CFO, we all know here, he's got a whole economics model. And, <clears throat> and ultimately, we're about to, you know, we've got our seed monies, but we're going through all of this right and just calling out to the community to co-create. We have a P Corp, cooperative, nonprofit, and everything we're doing is to build a socially responsible investment fund to go back into the community. So it's... Beautiful. I think I heard about this. it. That's beautiful. I'm calling out for all of us to collaborate on this. You Absolutely. Know, I'm a facilitator of this. I stepped in as CEO last month, let everything else go to step into my role as this. But literally, I'm just a facilitator to activate the community as Mickey and others know. My vision 10 years ago was to create, to effectively merge online and offline Together. And that was a marketing company, The Confluence. How it's come together 10 years later, a land-based initiative, but it's really creating a virtual community, event production, venue management, all of this entirely around the world. Crowdfunding consulting. Excellent. I've got four clients for crowdfunding from our community, rolling up the flow community around the world. So literally, it's like the infrastructure, I'm ready and asking everyone to come radically co-create and collaborate to do this. So, Beautiful. Thank you. I'll, Please, say the name again on the microphone, please. Just one more thing, yeah. Thank you. It's yeah. Delphi Village, and we're doing an impromptu renegade talk at 3 p.m. today Wonderful. in the Bliss Tea Lounge in the Healing Sanctuary. Thank you. So. Is Steve involved in this? Is yeah, that the stuff? Okay. Sean yeah. Ahern's involved. Yeah. I mean, the whole community is getting involved. Yeah. All That's where I heard about it. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Great. Laura. Uh, yeah, I wanted to say I have had the privilege and continue to have the privilege to coach um, politicians, people on Wall Street, um, and working on a very intimate level. And I want to just speak into a trend that I'm really seeing as being a very prevalent trend, and that is people are really seeking the experience of love and to feel connection. And so I find that in the realm of consciousness, it's really important to remove any polarity consciousness of us and them. And there's a common denominator, which is the beating heart. And I find that when we view these people as fellow human beings and fellow travelers, um, there is an, a massive theme right now of unhappiness, which is a huge motivator. And I think it's one of the reasons that the conscious movement is expediting to the degree that it is. So I just wanted to say that I think it's really important that we keep that focus. Um, because love will win. <laughs> Thank you. It is winning. So, so much. Yeah. Thank you.
<laughs> now, I remember Mickey and I spoke about this almost three years ago, that within the conscious movement, uh, we have this concept of them versus us. And that's the bridge that we need to cross. And you just gave the example. I know you've been working with, with this bridge. Wonderful. Thank you so much and for, for the work that you're doing and for the message today. Thank you. One more thing that I wanted to add. Um, I realized I had an epiphany a few years ago. Uh, we always considered our company as a film production company. And then I realized a few years ago that we were actually a translation company, that we're helping to translate these works, whether it be medicine, plant medicine work or ancient wisdom or some new healing modality. And our, the bulk of our job, other than just filming what's happening, which is a small part of the job, and then editing it, it's actually finding a way to make the language of what's being spoken uh, receivable by the people don't, who don't even know they're looking for it. And I realized this a few years back when, I, when there was a common phrase that all of our clients would say to us, and they would say, I don't want to preach to the choir. And I would hear that every single day. And so they would say, help us make this hip or fresh or cool in such a way that it just doesn't appeal to the people that are already doing the work. But I wanted to penetrate the rest of the world. And so the, the one element here that I, I, I wanted to add to this conversation is um, one more example. We brought in an incredible individual when, when we were building Elevate Film Festival. Because I reached that point, too, where I realized, you know, all of our tribe was coming to the festivals, but I want to reach their moms. You know, I want to reach the, 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 the rest of the, of the world. And as our show got bigger and bigger, we brought in this really amazing, remarkable individual who uh, listened to our whole team for about two weeks. And then one day, he stopped writing on the, on, on the uh, whiteboard, and he turned around and he said, you guys live in a bubble. And we all looked at him very blankly. He said, do you guys realize that? You live in a bubble. You speak funny. I don't understand half the things you guys are telling me right now. And you think the rest of the world is? And it was a wake-up for us to understand that as much as we wanted to translate what we were doing to the rest of the world, we weren't speaking a language that they could even understand. So I think one of the most basic things for us to always be aware of as we build our conscious companies is how do we communicate them to the rest of the world such that they won't seem like this foreign thing over here? And also when we speak with philanthropists, I've realized just recently have I developed the language that we are now for the first time ever receiving. People have told me for years there are very wealthy people in the world that want to funnel their money towards stuff that is genuinely going to do something good in the world. And I've always said, well, where the hell are they? And and we've received a few hundred thousand dollars of donations now from people that want to see their money go to good use. Sponsorship. Sponsorship. But what stopped us before, I've been in, in uh, meetings with people who have the potential to actually do that, but I look back at now what I said to them, and everything I said was, was just the heart, the impact, and how much, but there was something missing within my communication that made them feel secure that the vision I was speaking about would actually achieve what they intend their money to achieve in the world because I was missing some business acumen. And so that, for me, is one of the key missing ingredients for our tribes to be aware of 
to not necessarily, doesn't mean we have to go back to, you know, eight years of college to learn it, but to start making relationships with people who have spent their time in college to learn this, to make those relationships so we bring business, money professionals, organizational design experts into our organizations, because if there's one thing I know for sure is they're looking for what we have. We have connection, and they're looking for that, and they want that more than anything. So if we can find a way to keep those bridges alive, instead of just trying to do it just in our, in our comfortable collective, but to make those relationships and, and create that hybrid, mm -hmm. then our missions have that much more of a chance of being real in the world. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. When Patty did her meditation, she asked <clears throat> all of you to let go of any resistance, to kind of accept. So I took some time to get all of us warmed up a little bit. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do we learn from mistakes? No. So you ready for this? You don't learn from mistakes. Look throughout history. We keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. Human rights issue is still a big problem around the world. Even locally, in your backyard. We don't learn from mistakes. If you look at corporations, how they fail. There are a lot of books out there about why CEO fails. I, I cannot read the first page. I don't like to read why CEO fails. Why CEOs fail or corporations fail. Just like I'm not connecting to that language. Because I don't think you can learn anything from that. I would love to learn from companies, concepts, approaches, strategies that really work. We tend to look at, if you look at the news, we tend to look at negative things that happen in the world. There's a lot of psychology that explains why. But uh, we, don't, we don't learn from this. Over and over again, the same mistakes. When I go, I mean, this is, makes our job easier when we go into companies, we see exactly the same mistakes over and over again. What does it mean to learn from mistakes? For those of you who said yes, of course, because we've been taught to think like that. It means to learn what not to do. I rather learn what to do, learning from success, than what not to do. So keep that in mind. It's my gift to you. To... So to piggyback on that, I think we actually do and can have the opportunity to learn from mistakes when there's a shift in consciousness. When we're able to, you know, as Einstein said, we can't solve a problem using the same mindset that created it. So when there's a shift in consciousness, and our background, my background is in antheogenic research and psychedelic science, and, and I see that. I've seen that for myself, clients, friends, family. We go into the ceremony in the medicine space and that psychedelic experience with that shift in consciousness that it's comes. It's a positive change. A positive change. And then we can have that reflection about now how to move forward in a better way. Positive change. Einstein said the definition of insanity is to repeat the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Definition of insanity. So what you describe is a positive experience. 
I support that. You know, we can get philosophical about this. If you put your hand as a child in an oven and burn your hand, you're not going to put your hand again in the oven. So you learn from mistake. I'm not talking about that. Talk about human behavior, cultures, treating one another, businesses. And what Mickey, the reason I started talking about it, because Mickey mentioned about the transition he made, because for many years he was doing the same thing over and over again until he figured out what you're talking. The positive change, what will really work, that's the success path. It's not for mistake because the mistake kept happening over and over again. That flip was something from success. And that's what you want to learn from. So I'm kind of like pushing that point over and over again because we come across a lot of businesses, organizations that I see a pattern of the same thing. So I try to emphasize about let's look at examples of success stories. So learn from success stories. Kickstarters are good success stories. Stay positive. That's the whole idea of positive versus negative. Mistakes, negative, positive. Um, One thing that I've recently experienced is the power of community and really sharing resources and uniting the vision. So we have all these different corporations and different powerful beings. And I I just want to ask the question, like, what would that look like to all sit in a room in a council and see how we can share and support and not do it alone anymore? So I live in Ojai, and I'm surrounded people like the two right here and like everybody in this room and I just I just my passion is to bring us all together and share the you know like each other's pages and share 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 so community and starting locally I feel like I personally think that that's going to make a huge shift hope um, about was that a year ago that you organized um, a panel in Ojai which is just an amazing place for that, can you tell us about the panel that I participated in? But yeah, the panel was just that idea, like, hey, let's all sit together and get the luminaries to share in their in their dreams and and give advice to the community. So Aaron sat there, the elder of my community, Babaji, um, Ganar's father sat there, and a few other beautiful beings. And it's just starting a dialogue to create the community action and spark the we can do this together mentality and look at these people that are here to support us and just feeling that not aloneness and feeling like we really are here together and we have the support. Um, Because I can start four companies right now in my mind, but it's not, you know, it's not doable by myself. We've got to do it together. So please contact me and let me support you all. (laughs) Thank you. And that day, Mickey and Nadia had a baby. Um, so, how do you feel about this learning from mistakes versus learning from success? You okay with that? We're okay? It's kind of change. And I mean, everybody I ask, it could be a crowd of 100, 500 people. They'll all go, yeah, learn from mistakes. So, I'm going to throw another concept. This one is a little bit harder. What's important in business? The most important thing about cooperation and making a business successful, the most important thing. One really important element of Partnership, communication, shared vision. Focused intention. Focused intention. What's that? Satisfying. Need. 
but within the partnership, what are you looking for? Communication. Agreement. Mutual benefit. Trust. Trust is very important in partnership, right? No. So a lot of partnership that we come across, uh, that we called on uh, to dissolve, started with trust. Not based on performance, not based on abilities, not based on skills, but trust. We trust a brother, sister, family member, friend. I mean, I drove, we went to a summit in... I won't mention the name of the company, but I took a ride from the airport to Summit, and the person who was next to me started a, a company with the, his partner from college, and they're having a horrible time years after. How to, you know, they can't they can work together. They just like, but they built it. They started the business on trust. So I just want to caution you about that element because there's too much reliance at the start on trust. We're friends, we're from this community, we trust each other, they just start this together. Make sure that if you want to make a successful corporation, you combine the partnership that is based on performance that you will build trust later. So it's another concept that's kind of a little bit of a shift that I come across a lot as part of the repeat mistakes that I see over and over again. Whereas when you see partnership that is based on performance and ability and skill level, you have a trust that it's built over time, which is much better than going into a partnership just based on trust. What we've done here is uh, cooperated in sharing some concepts and talked about getting involved in politics, getting involved in the target Wall Street, in all levels of our community, healthcare, and everything else that you mentioned, right? I'm gonna ask a question now, how hard is it? And I won't point the finger at one person, but I have someone in mind. How hard is it to elevate the news out there and to start a news channel that focuses on positive, successful stories, and just that. How hard is it to create and elevate news? Not that hard. It's persistent. And deliver on a scheduled basis and and uh, as, as you get more audience listening to it, you put some commercials that are not Diet Coke and Coca-Cola, are more like kombucha maybe, from our community. It's a phenomenal path to follow for the conscious movement, is to communicate on a regular basis, daily, and elevate the consciousness of our movement through news and media. And with that, I'll finish my session today. Thank you very much for coming today.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Aaron Levy. Well, everyone, that concludes this week's episode. If you have enjoyed this positive download, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes, since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting. Uh, your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, by all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. <laughs> Otherwise, as you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.